Chris Velarde. Glad you're here for this CUSE conversation with the new president of the Syracuse University Alumni Association, Ryan McNaughton. How lucky are we to still be able to feel this way about a place that we started feeling this way when we were teenagers, right? I mean, how, how lucky are we? I, I, I tell myself that almost every day. It was fun catching up with Ryan for this conversation. I've known him since we were both students at WJPZ, Z89 here on campus. We're gonna talk about what led Ryan to Syracuse in the first place. We'll cover his career in broadcasting and his career after broadcasting. He's gone through a few career transitions. And we're gonna cover his goals for his time as the SUAA president. But I began our conversation by asking him, as we emerge from this pandemic, how he's doing. You know, we're, it, it, it sounds morbid, but hey, we're alive, uh, we're here. And, and I say that as someone who uh, did all the right things for a year. And then in the middle of March, I started feeling really awful on a Friday night and felt exponentially worse on a Saturday night to the point where my wife said, you know, you might want to get a test. And I did, and I got it. Uh, and it was right during March Madness. I had just started a new job. I was one week into my first job, and I have to call my new boss on Sunday morning and say, hey, boss, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, funny thing just happened, and uh, I'm going to be out for a while. Uh, so, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's, it's been... It's been interesting to say the least, but uh, having said all that, uh, we're we're doing better than a lot of families are, uh, and, and for that, I'm I'm grateful. And, and my thoughts go out to anybody in any family, but especially in the Syracuse family who who might have endured some loss over the past 16, 18 months. Uh, but we're uh, we're still around, and for that, I'll, I'll always be grateful. Yeah. The power of perspective is a uh, is a is a big thing in, in these times. Um, so let's backtrack a little bit. Let's let's take you back to Ryan McNaughton, high schooler. What what put Syracuse on your radar? Of of all the times in high school, I know exactly where I was and when I was there when Syracuse University came on my radar. It was, I believe, a Tuesday night in the fall of 1989, and I was a sophomore at Marion L. Steele High School in Amherst, Ohio, and I'm laying on my stomach in our living room, and for one of the rare times, both my parents were in the room watching something on ESPN. It wasn't weird for my dad and I. It was really weird for my mom to be in that room with something on ESPN, and I cannot remember the specific show. It might have been This Week in Baseball. It was something like that. And the story centered around the Newhouse School at Syracuse University and all of the sports broadcasters that they churned out and where they're at. And at that time, Chris, I was, again, a sophomore, and we had our little city cable station had this little room inside our high school. And I had started to express an interest to do, you know, the football games on TV in the fall and basketball. And then I just started. I remember watching this it couldn't have been no more than seven or eight minute feature in a 30 minute show. And I jumped up and I turned around to my mom and dad. I said, guys, that's what I want to do. And that's where I want to do it. And for three years, 
every single thing I did at Marion L. Steele High School revolved around somehow, some way, getting noticed by Syracuse, getting the grades good enough to be there, getting those experiences, and finding a way. And, and that is how my relationship with Syracuse started. And, and against all odds, yeah, I, I applied to other schools just to be safe. Yep. But there was one and only place that I wanted and needed to go. And, and Syracuse gave me that chance. And, and we found a way to make the financials happen. Uh, and, and here we are 30 plus years later, uh, still talking about the place that I love. And how many of us that that took that path to Newhouse wanting to be sportscasters have similar stories, right? I mean, that's one of the things that, that certainly binds, you know, us together <laughs> as, as aspiring broadcasters back in the day, but whatever the story is, whatever the school or college, everybody's got that moment. And that's a, that's a really cool thing. And to be able to pinpoint it down to the Tuesday night is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, we, we, we're, you know, live long enough and, and you start, your list of those moments tends to grow. And up to that point, I was 15. I think the only two other times that I can remember where I was and when were, were tragedies. I remember where I was when President Reagan was shot. And I think we all remember the Challenger in 86. Those are the types of moments that unfortunately stand out to us. That was kind of the first moment of kind of joy and excitement. And, and when the world of possibility could open up to me, that I remember where I was and yeah. when it happened. And you, you did, I mean, you went to Newhouse and you became a broadcaster. You spent some time in, in a couple of places, including here in Central New York. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I graduated in 1996, and, and uh, as you know, it's one thing to obtain a Newhouse degree, it's another to be able to use it. And how lucky were we that we were able to get, be given those opportunities? Now, as you also know, it takes some time sometimes once you graduate. So it was a good six months until I landed my first job in radio up in Cairo, Michigan, uh, the mighty WKYO slash WIDL in Tuscola County, where for six days a week, I was a news reporter. The guy who did the sports wouldn't give me a chance. I think he was intimidated because he knew my background. So all I want to do was the high school football games on Friday night. He's like, no, no, we're good on that. You know, you go to the county meetings and, and report on the new bug inspector that the county is going to hire and the mosquito control specialist. So I did all that. But again, the power of the Newhouse Network, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Miss Tina Staclosa, helped get me in the door for that interview, which at the time, in the fall of 96, I had been doing all of these temp jobs just to make money. And I'm, I'm living at home with my parents and, and this trucking company I was working at, Cassin's Transport, if I'm able to give them a shout out. Uh, I was with them for probably four months as a temp, and they wanted to hire me full time at twice the salary that the dual radio station combo was offering me. And guess what I did? I packed up and I, I moved to Saginaw Township, Michigan. There you go. Uh, <laughs> you, pay, you pay the price to be a broadcaster sometimes. 
Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively, because four months later, we were thrown on our keisters because the guy uh, eliminated the news department because he was in debt to the IRS and didn't tell me that in the interview. Anywho, four months later, I'm back home in Ohio and did a bunch of stuff. I, I, I got an internship with the Cleveland Browns, uh, paid internship. I was working at a TV station, the assignment desk. Uh, and then really my, my big break came when another friend of mine, not a Syracuse guy, but, but still a great guy who was board opping at uh, the 50,000 watt flamethrower uh, WTAM in Cleveland said, Hey, they're, they're, they're looking for sports people. Uh, I interviewed there, didn't get it, but the sports director who's still there, Mike Snyder handed my information to the com the competition down the street, WKNR and Metro networks. Uh, and they took a chance on me. Yeah. So I was in my hometown for eight years doing sports okay, radio. Exactly. Right. My goal was to get there by the time I was 30. My first on air shift, that was 23. And at the time, I was the, I believe I was the youngest full time radio or TV sports reporter in Cleveland. Uh, so I, I, that, that was great. Uh, did a lot of cool stuff there. And as you said, uh, got a chance to, to break through in television, even though I got the face for radio. Ron Lombard and News 10 Now in Syracuse took a chance on me in an off-air position. I, I moved to Syracuse in 06 to be a news producer. Uh, that move was mostly personal because I moved to be with my now wife, uh, who right was off. starting her PhD program at Maxwell. So I, I, I was like, I got I to get Syracuse. This long distance isn't working. Yeah. Uh, Ron Lombard and the team, which now Spectrum News, but News 10 took a chance. And as fate would have it, they were expanding their sports department about 16 months later. They knew my background. They said, well, we've never seen you on tape. Do a demo tape on a Sunday night during dinner. I did. Uh, and, they, and they got in the sports department. So uh, it's, as you know, as a seasoned veteran in that field, uh, happenstance and luck, often play a role and who you're able to know in those relationships. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, uh, it was quite the ride I had. Yeah. And, and now um, just to up to you, you've, you've kind of shifted out of that as, as look, we do. I mean, that's just kind of part of it as well. Often, often happens. Um, what, what is your current role? You mentioned you have a new job. So my current role, and, and thanks to my boss for not letting me go after the first week when 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 the COVID decided to knock on my door, I, I, I greatly appreciate him sticking with me through that. Uh, so my current position, I am the vice president for government affairs for the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber. And uh, boy, if you had told me in the fall of 1992, it's <laughs> a first year students in my beloved Newhouse School, our beloved Newhouse School, yeah. that all these years later, 47 year old me would now be ingrained every day in the world of public policy and outreach with you know, local, state, national representatives, registering as a lobbyist on behalf of organizations. Like, are you just, are you kidding me, right? <laughs> So it is, it is quite the world that I'm in now, but uh, I'll tell you, being able to at least try to have somewhat of an impact on an entire region, especially like ours, it's kind of off the beaten path here in Ohio. We call them the three C's, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. I'm from one of those C's, Cleveland. Right. Right. Um, it, it, it takes a little more effort 
for us here in the Youngstown Warren areas, in the Akron Cantons, in the Toledos, in the Daytons. So we do a lot of work daily uh, with a lot of outreach, with legislative aides. We go to Columbus all the time. So it's it's new, it's exciting, and it, it's kind of gratifying when you start seeing some fruits of your labor sprout. No, no doubt. And not to turn this into a professional development career-focused podcast, but one of the things that is a recurring theme in with anyone I talk to who's done some type of career shifting throughout their life is the concept, and particularly, you know, and I certainly understand this, I, and, and I know you do, the, the concept of, of taking the skills you learn at Newhouse as a journalist, as a broadcaster, as a communicator, and applying those. And look, if you're in front of legislators and trying to get a point across, you lean back on those skills you learned as a broadcaster, as a journalist, as, as a communicator. I mean, that's crucially important. I, I, I can't say it any better, but, but I, I'm happy to turn this into some sort of career because since I've left journalism, I, in the past 12, 13 years, I've had to reinvent myself about four times. Yeah. When we moved back to Ohio, I left the field. I was unemployed. So I, I went to grad school and I learned this. And then I became a career counselor at Kent State. Uh, so about soft skills that you're talking about and networking. And then I went into yep. philanthropy and, and advancement in higher ed. And then I transitioned to become an executive director for a nonprofit. And now I'm doing this job. That's a lot of change in a, a short amount of time. But to your point, you're absolutely correct. The skill sets that you learn from a broadcast journalism perspective have allowed me to take who I am and kind of remold myself based on some new skill sets that I've been able to learn, not only in the classroom, but also life. Yeah, it, it all, that's the thing, it, you know, it, Maybe you don't appreciate it when you're 23, 25, 27, you know, 32. But as you go through the, the journey, um, you really do start to see all of those things. Let's talk about the, your journey with Syracuse because that's something that you have always, no matter what job, what kind of career path, what university you've worked for, uh, has all, what, what school you went for you know, to get a grad degree has always been a, a huge part of your life. Um, before we get to the fact that you are now beginning uh, your term as president of the Alumni Association and as a result, a member of the Board of Trustees as well, what does it, what was important to you to stay connected to Syracuse all of these years? You know, I, I, in full disclosure, Chris, I, you know, my, I've always felt connected to the institution, but it really wasn't until we came back to Ohio in 2009 where it started to really hit me that I wanted to truly get involved. Yeah. So we moved back in 09. And one of the first things that I did was contact SU and find out, well, who's, who's, who's running the, the, the Cleveland Alumni Club? And at that point, I was told, actually, Ryan, it's dormant. <laughs> uh, it had kind of, they had some leadership things. And uh, as you well know, you know, it's not always easy to find alums with with the free time and the desire to do that sort of thing so me being me uh 
started to rally some troops and the folks up in the uh, uh, Office of Alumni Engagement, I believe it had a different name at the time up there, they provided me some names and said, hey, here's a list of folks who they've had similar conversations with us that you have, you might wanna reach out. Led to an early morning weekday meeting on the east side of Cleveland with, with some older alums who I had known when I was a student and within four minutes, I think we met at 8 a.m. at Corky and Lenny's, right off of 271. By 8.04, the Council of Elders, as I called them, had already said, well, we're getting the band back together. You're our new president. You're taking over the meeting from here on out. By 8.04, four minutes. Uh, that, was, that, that, that was not the purpose of the meeting from where I was right. concerned. And suddenly I was now the president. So uh, so that's how I became an alumni association president. The, the procedures are a lot different now, mercifully. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we worked uh, on the local level to, to bring the club back. We established a scholarship. But to answer your larger question, why is it important? Look, um, there's the, the three T's. We always talk about time. We talk about talent. We talk about treasure. Yep. There is nothing in the contractual agreement that we make with whatever institution that we attend that once we receive our degree that we have to have any other relationship with them. There's nothing in that, right? It's we're paying for or we've obtained dollars to, to learn these skill sets and earn that piece of paper. And once that happens, we are, we are able to shake hands and move on. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't do that. To me, uh, look, I, I came from and continue to live in uh, a family and families of pretty modest means. And what I can't donate as much as I want in treasure, I know I can in time and talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so down the line, you know, my wife and I have some mechanisms. We definitely want to do more treasure to the institution. That's, that's going to be taken care of. But what I can control right now with, with the passion I have for Syracuse University is my time and my talent. And for me, on a very personal, meaningful level, that is how I, in the here and now, am able to give back to the institution that has given so much to me. It's my way of trying to, in some small way, repay the nameless, faceless donors who allowed a kid like me from a blue collar, paycheck to paycheck family. My dad grew up in a housing project in Buffalo. My parents came from nothing. I mean, nothing in Buffalo. All those folks who gave of their time, talent, and treasure over the years to allow me, a kid from nowhere, Ohio, who to this day, I, I still can't believe Syracuse took a chance on me. This is how I'm able to repay them and, and try to help the current and future generations live their dreams like I was able to live mine. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's, the, again, that's the kind of story that, that we hear time and time again. It, that, and, and the phrase you use, take a chance on me, that's something that, you know, in, in speaking with alumni, I hear over and over. And and that feeling when, when someone takes a chance on you, you want to, A, prove that the chance was worth it, and B, you want to do what you can to help another kid have the opportunity to have a chance taken. And, you know, and I think that that is, it's such an important thing. And, and then, look, 
it's a mutually beneficial relationship. When you stay involved, right? Like it's beneficial for you. You stay connected, certainly. And I get to see this being back on campus and being in the, in the role I'm in firsthand. It's beneficial to the students. Those relationships with alumni at whatever level of time, talent, treasure they're able to offer is, is unbelievable. Yeah, and I, you know, one, how, how lucky are we to still be able to feel this way about a place that we started feeling this way when we were teenagers, right? I mean, how, how lucky are we? I, I, I tell myself that almost every day. Absolutely. But to the student aspect, ever since I have been on this board, since 2014, I was chosen to be on the national board. One of the things that I have always tried to do is interact with our student rep, reps on the board. And part of that is just how I'm wired, but the other part was I, I was working for a university at the time and I was around students and fundraising for students and I, they would energize me. And, and you see it now working on campus. Like, is there anything else that can energize you as much as being around young people, young talented people? I'm at the age, we're at that age where so many people of our peers are starting to say, ah, oh, these kids, these kids don't, right? They're, we're sounding like our parents. Don't, don't, we and don't want to be that way. And I will correct every single person that I talk to. And I'll tell them, are you kidding me? Do you know what the young people today are capable of, what they're doing right now? Stop it. Just stop <laughs> it. So, when I come up to Syracuse and I would go to dinners on Thursday, I would do my, I'd sit with the students because I want to talk to the students. Tell me about your Syracuse experience. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What can I do individually? What can we do as an alumni board and an alumni association to help you and future students? And I, I think that's always resonated I get so much joy out of those conversations. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm hoping to do as president, in the times that I come up, I, I want to have meetings with our student leaders on campus. And I just want to listen. I don't want to say much of anything. I just want to let them know that they matter, that their voices matter, and that we're listening. So I can then report back to my board, my executive committee, and alums across the planet and tell everybody, just so you know, here's what's going on on campus. This is why it's important. And here's how we can enhance their experience. Jumping off that, you know, as you do approach this, this kind of period of leadership, um, what, are, what are the other priorities that, that you see um, for your role, for the, the Alumni Association's role moving forward? Well, these are fascinating times change. Change is the new normal. But specifically for what I hope to do in this position, uh, one is just not to mess it up. I have served under, I believe, five presidents since I've been on the board. And each person has raised the bar higher and higher. And I don't want to be the one that starts to lower the bar. And it's going to be really tough because uh, what, the changes that I've seen, not only 
on our Alumni Association Board, but the Office of Alumni Engagement, of which you are now an integral part of. I mean, it's it's night and day since I started. It is so strong and thriving and growing. And I'm grateful to Chancellor Severud and the Board of Trustees for their willingness to invest in the work that you all do and what we try to do as volunteers. It, it was a pipe dream seven, eight years ago to think where we're at now. So knowing that I and we have such strong leadership to lean on, I think it's just moving moving ahead with, with our capital campaign. I mean, this Forever Orange campaign, the, the generosity of the Orange family in a pandemic is surreal. And I know there are institutions across the country that are looking at central New York right now saying, how are you doing this? Like, like you're... You're, you're not only, it's not just the raising of the money, it's wow, 500 new scholarships and you're endowing professorships and shares. How in a pandemic and why Syracuse? It, it, it's the power of the orange blood. So we need to continue to, to do our due diligence on that and, and let people know why it's important. But to me, how I think, I, I I'm not selfish, but I also understand my role. So one thing that I want to do in this position as well is I, I want to humanize this board, Chris. I, I want people to know who we are, what we do, and why it's important. Because in that way, we're going to be able to engage more of our alums uh, in a very meaningful way. Because as you know, the more people you meet, you do a lot of traveling in your job, Chris. How passionate are Syracuse alums? How much do people want to have this type of opportunity? Well, I get to tell you my Syracuse story. I do that all the time and you're giving me this platform and I'm grateful. There are so many alums out there. That's all you want to do is talk about Syracuse. You go on the street, you see a shirt. It doesn't matter where you're at, right? Syracuse, go orange. It's what we do. And uh, so, so that's, that's really what I want to do. I want people to become more engaged. And if they tell us, well, here's why I'm not, I wanna have the conversation, well, here's how we can do it. You know, it, it doesn't always have to be writing a check, that's great, but are you involved in your local alumni club? Are you involved in your local regional council? You know, are, have you attended any events on campus? Have you, throughout the pandemic, the number of digital programming that you guys have done, my gosh, Chris, the work you guys have done during this pandemic to go to people who can't come to you has been phenomenal. Have you signed up for a free event? Uh, one of my favorite things, Chris, during this pandemic was the John Wallace Q&A. <laughs> my gosh, was that fun to go down memory lane. And I could sit in front of this computer in my kitchen and yep. interact with John Wallace, with you, with hundreds of alums. So there's just so many ways that we can get more people involved on their terms. Yeah. And I'm gonna try to find a way to help facilitate that with folks like yourself, with my executive committee and with my board. So much of, uh, of you know what we've done over the last 16, 18 months, we've done because we've had to, right? You can't have an in-person event. You have to have a a Zoom program, but 
to your point, we've realized that that has allowed us to engage with people who don't have the opportunity for a million reasons to come back to campus, to attend an event in person with their club at their local, you know, in their region. Maybe we never get a chance to travel to, to the city that they happen to live in because, you know, we, we're limited as to the amount of cities we can go to in any one, in any one year. We know the Orange family spans the globe and the opportunities to reach them, as you said, where they are is, is so important. And we look forward to continuing to do it and, and certainly, um, you know, working with, uh, with you on the board and, and knowing that that's a priority is, is, a, is a great thing. Well, I can't imagine the numbers, but how many of those folks, first time attendees to any event and, and with anything, what, what I've learned in, in my years of volunteerism, you only need one event. Syracuse knows how to put on an event, whether it's on campus, off campus, on the local level. Once you're in, you're in, you're hooked. Syracuse University has done everything possible with the cards it was dealt to come to us. And I know that's gonna continue. And that's why I'm excited to be in this position at this time. Syracuse University is moving forward in a very positive way. And I'm really excited to see what the next couple of years happens. Uh, and I cannot tell you, Chris, how excited I'm going to be to see you in person in October to be able to give you a big hug and to participate in events and actually go inside the renovated dome and to see the roof and just to be amongst my orange family. It's, I, I, I get goosebumps thinking about finally being able to make that drive on 90 East and, and just to be around my orange family. I can't wait. We're looking forward to it too. And I think that's a, that's a great place to leave it. So Ryan, thank you for your time and, and your, your time in the last 30 minutes or so, your time in the years prior to this and, and uh, looking forward to your time as the president of our alumni association. Thank you, Chris. And as I always sign off everything, loyal be thy sons and daughters. <laughs>